thank you, Lord. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for the many, many gifts you give us. For the food on our table, for the, the, the roofs over our heads, for the shoes on our feet. Oh, Lord, you are a great God. It's so easy to look over your blessings because they are plentiful. Oh, they are plentiful. But you, we, we, we never need to stop remembering that you are a good, good Father, worthy of our praise, worthy of our gratitude. So, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It's good to see you today. I want to talk to you to this morning about questions that you may have had about God. Has there been a time in your life when uh, you really didn't understand what God was doing, when you were sort of confused by God's ways? Ever been a time in your life when uh, it didn't seem like God was answering your prayers and you didn't understand why? Or has there ever been a time in your life when it didn't seem to you that God was keeping the promises that he had made. Well, today we're going to look at a passage of Scripture, Psalm 89, that gives voice to those kinds of questions, to that kind of puzzlement or bewilderment with the ways of God. And most of us, sometime in our Christian lives, come to some of that Puzzlement. God's ways are just higher than our ways. Uh, he, he's so far above us. And so there'll probably come a time in your life when you're saying, God, what are you doing? Lord, it doesn't seem like you've kept your promises. That's what Psalm 89 is about. Now, Psalm 89 deals with the promise that God made to King David when he told him that a descendant of David would rule on the throne of Israel forever. That was a promise that God made to David in 2 Samuel 7. So Psalm 89 is sort of a commentary on another passage of Scripture, 2 Samuel 7. In that passage, David came to the point when he'd made Jerusalem his capital, gotten settled, and he said, here I am, I've got a house, and God doesn't have a house, I ought to build God a house. The Ark of the Covenant's in a tent. I'm living in a nice house. I ought to build a temple. God came back to David through his prophet Nathan and said to him, David, I didn't ask you to build me a house. I don't want you to build me a house, but I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a house out of you. The house or the lineage of David will continue forever. That was a promise that he made to David. So this psalm is about that promise. I want to share with you four key words to watch for as we read through this psalm. I just finished teaching a class on Wednesday nights about how to study the Bible. And one of the things that we talked about as you try to read the Bible and understand it, that one of the things that will help you is to look for key words. Significant words that are repeated over and over often tell you the theme of what God is wanting you to know. So I'm going to tell you at the outset what I think are the four key words in this psalm, and you can listen for them, look for them, as we go through this uh, uh, chapter. I hope you'll uh, bring your Bible with you. 
we have the scripture on the screen, so make it easy, but it's going to be even better if you get a Bible of your own and interact with it. And I encourage you to underline these words, or if you're reading it on an electronic device, there's probably a way you can highlight words in, uh, in the text there and come back to those notes later. So what? listen for these Four key words. The first pair are love and faithfulness. This is about the love and faithfulness of God. Does God love me? Will God keep his promises? Is he faithful? And the next two key words are covenant and forever. Because the specific promise of God here, as we've seen, is that God will keep his covenant or his promise with David forever. So love and faithfulness covenant and forever. Read the first four verses and you listen for them as I go through these uh, introductions. Psalm 89.1, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I'll declare that your love stands firm forever, that you've established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. You hear those key words in those opening verses? We move to verse 20 where it talks about when God first chose and called David. Verse 20, I have found David, my servant, with my sacred oil I've anointed him. Samuel anointed him as king. My hand will sustain him. Here's his promises to David. Surely my arm will strengthen him. The enemy will not get the better of him. The wicked will not oppress him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down his adversaries. My faithful love will be with him. And through my name, his horn will be exalted. I will set his hand over the sea, his right hand over the rivers. He'll call out to to me, you're my father, my God, the rock of my savior. And I'll appoint him to be my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. I'll maintain my love to him forever. And my covenant with him will never fail. I'll establish his line forever, his throne as long as the heavens endure. Beginning in verse 30, there's a warning that if any of these descendants don't follow me, then I will chastise them and punish them. But I won't break my promise. Verse 30, if his sons forsake my law and do not follow my statutes, if they violate my decrees and fail to keep my commands, I'll punish their sin with the rod, their iniquity with flogging. But I will not take my love from him, nor will I ever betray my faithfulness. I'll not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. Once for all, I've sworn by my holiness that I will not lie to David, that his line will continue forever and his throne endure before me like the sun. It'll be established forever, like the moon, the faithful witness in the sky. Now, if we stopped here in this psalm, it would seem like a psalm of praise to God for his faithfulness and his love, wouldn't it? But it takes a turn in the next verse, verse 38, and it turns into a complaint or a lament. But, verse 38, you see that word? There's a but there, right? But... You have rejected, you've spurned, you've been very angry with your anointed one. You've renounced the covenant with your servant and have defiled his crown in the dust. You have broken through all his walls and reduced his strongholds to ruins. 
We think this psalm might have been written during or after the exile. The exile was a time when God allowed Babylon to destroy Jerusalem and break through the walls, as that verse says. And Jehoiachin was the final king in the line of David. They took him in exile to Babylon, and the line of David was cut off, and the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. And and the psalmist is lamenting, God, what are you doing? I'm confused. I'm baffled by your ways. It seems like you haven't kept your promises, because you said forever about a thousand times right here, and it's not forever. And he begins to ask God questions. You ever ask God questions? Apparently it's okay to ask God questions. He put them in the Bible that this guy asked. Verse 46, how long, Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? You ever ask God, how long? You ever gotten impatient with the ways of God and wondered, God, where are you? How long? You see, God made the promise to David about 1000 B.C., and he kept that promise that there would be a descendant of David on the throne of Israel forever for 400 years. So 1000 B.C. to about 600 B.C., 587, and then Jehoiachin taken into exile. When they came back from exile 70 years later, they got back in the land, got back to Jerusalem, but a king, a son of David, didn't come back to the throne. So it was 600 years that there was no descendant of David ruling from 600 B.C. on. And he's asked, sometime in this period, he writes this psalm and says, How long? How long, O Lord, will you, how long will your wrath burn? Will you hide your ways forever? And then verse 49, he asks another question. Lord, where is your former great love, which in your faithfulness you swore to David? He said, he doesn't see God's love. Ever been a time in your life when you wondered if God loved you? Ever been a time in your life when you you couldn't see God's love? Where is your former great love? I, I used to feel your love, God. Where is your former great love? This psalm ends unresolved with these questions unanswered. We often like things in nice packages tied up, bows, and everything's neat. This psalm ends with unresolved tension. It ends with no answers to these questions. Now, we know the answers to these questions because we have the benefit of hindsight. Things are often clearer in your life in hindsight, aren't they? Well, we live after Christmas, and Christmas gave us some clarity to this because we know that after a period of 600 years, 587 B.C. until the coming of Jesus. There was no king, but then God sent his own son whose human lineage was from David and yet whose divine lineage was he was fully God and he fulfilled the promise in a different way than expected but a better way. When God fulfills promises differently than you think he might, he does it in a better way. So let me read just a a little bit of the Christmas story so that you can, can remember how God fulfilled this. In Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 30, an angel has appeared to a virgin girl named Mary and says, God's blessing is on you. And she didn't know what that was meant, and she was troubled. And the angel said to her, picking up in verse 30, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. 
you found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants. How long? Forever. There's our key word. Forever! And his kingdom will never end. And we say, oh, I see. God looked like he had broken his promises, but he broke the line of human kings as an act of discipline, but also in a way that he could keep the promise in a different and better way because we're better off than if we just had a human king on the throne of David. Now we have the Son of God who rules over all God's people forever. And that's why there's joy at Christmas because we see how God, who it seemed like in our confusion and bewilderment, had failed to keep his promises, has now kept his promises in a different and a better way and we have insight and we worship him. That's the benefit of hindsight, and we see that God keeps his promises. But when you're in that pit middle of confusion, you don't have that insight. Can you walk with God then? If you're living in that 600 years, isn't that amazing? 600 years? What if God made a, a, a promise in 1000 B, uh, AD, kept it till 1400, about the time... Columbus discovered America, and then it had not no evidence of it since Columbus discovered America. How would you be feeling if you lived in that six? How long, oh Lord, how long? So let me show you what I'm talking about here in a chart. I like charts. It helps me to understand some things. And so let's look at this chart. It's in your bulletin. If you want to uh, take notes, you'll have to write small, I realized. I, only, I have very limited space to get that in. But let's, let's think about this. So the first column is a promise is made by God. And the promise in Psalm 89 was that the rule of David would last forever. And what was the result of that? Well, it was a sense of peace and hope for Israel. Israel had some comfort there. There's going to be a, a descendant of David on the throne forever. We've got some stability, some peace. It gives you peace when God makes a promise, right? But then in the next column comes a time when the promise seems to be broken. And so there was no Davidic king for 600 years. And the result of that was confusion. We don't understand God. We're bewildered. We're perplexed by your ways. You said this, but it seems like you're doing something else. And I don't understand God. And that's the context of this song. Then comes Christmas when God keeps his promise in a different and a better way. And so he sent Jesus, the son of David, and yet the son of God, who would be king and would rule forever. And he's already begun to rule, and one day he'll rule in completeness over all the earth. And so the result of that is, oh, I understand now. We benefit from that understanding that those people in the time of waiting did not. And it gives us worship. Oh, God, you do keep your promises. You are faithful and you do love us. And there it results in worship. Do you see that progression that we're talking about here? 
Now let's go through our chart again and try it with a current promise of God because the same thing that works there is true maybe in your life. So let's go to one of the promises, uh, pick one of the promises that God has made in the Bible to us. For example, in Matthew 6, one example is God promised that he'll clothe and feed you. Matthew 6 tells you not to worry. One of the reasons it tells you not to worry is because you have a father who clothes the lilies of the field, and if he clothes them, he will clothe and feed you. He feeds the birds, so you don't worry because God's going to take care of you. He clothes and feeds you. What does that result in your life? It results in some, some peace, doesn't it? It results in some, some hope. You know, I'm going to be okay. God's going to take care of me. And so you go through that period, just as Israel did, of, of peace and hope. But you know what can happen then in your life? What about you lose your job? And you come to a time when uh, you're confused. You're baffled by God. Well, wait a minute, God. You said you were going to clothe and feed me, and, and, and now this is my only source of income, and I've lost it, and, and I don't know what you're doing. And it's been, I've been looking for a job for nine months now. How long, oh Lord? Where is your former love to me? I don't feel you anymore, God. Maybe you're in the midst of that kind of confusion. That's where Psalm 89 is. But then God keeps his promises in a new and a different way. And maybe God provides you in a different way. Maybe you get a different job. Maybe there's something else works out in your life that it's a different opportunity. But, but God keeps the promise, but not in the way you expected, perhaps. And it results in understanding, oh God, I see, you were taking me from point A to point C, but I had to go through point B to get there. I, I see now, and oh God, you're so good and so faithful, and I thank you for that, right? See how it works in your life? Or let's try it with another promise of God. God promises in the Bible, if you're in a covenant relationship with him, no harm will come to you. You can read it in Psalm 121. He says, the Lord watches over you by day and by night, and that no harm will come to you. That gives you a sense of peace, doesn't it? Gives you some joy. What about you come to a time in your life when you get cancer? Christians get cancer, don't they? And then you begin to wonder, well, wait a minute, God. You said no harm would come to me. Do, do you, uh, how could you love me and let me be going through this? Where is your faithfulness and how long is this going to last? There's going to come a time in your life when God's going to keep that promise. He's either going to heal you or he's going to take you to heaven and you'll be healed forever. And he's going to keep that promise. And at the end, you're going to have a time of understanding. Oh God, I, I couldn't see then, but I can see now what you were doing. And a time of worship to the king. That's how God works. Now the question is, when you're living in that middle section. Maybe that's where some of you are right now today. Can you trust the love and faithfulness in God when you're in a time when it seems that God is not keeping his promises and it results in confusion in your life? And the question of your life is, do I have enough evidence that I've seen of God's faithfulness and love that I will trust him even when this makes no sense? That I'll trust him even when I'm baffled and perplexed by his ways, even when he seems to not answer my prayers. That's the testing of your life. And when there is confusion in your life, 
it is usually either a result of testing or of timing or of both. The crucial question when you're confused by God is whether you can trust His timing. Why did God wait 600 years from the fall of Jerusalem in 587 until He sent Jesus? Why 600 years? I don't know. But let me read to you Galatians 4.4. It says, When the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of woman, born under the law. I don't know why. I can look back now and see some of the reasons that it was an opportune time with the peace of the Roman Empire and other things. But I don't know. But the Bible says, when the time had fully come. So when you're in the midst of confusion, the crucial question of trust is, do I trust God's timing? That he knows more than I. That I've seen enough evidence that he's faithful that I'll trust his timing. You know, I think there are people right now in heaven who are asking the same question that the psalmist asked in Psalm 89. Let me read to you Revelation chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. Revelation chapter 6 is talking about those who have died for their faith. And their souls have gone to heaven. And it says in Revelation 6.10, They called out in a loud voice, How long? Same question as Psalm 89. How long, Sovereign Lord? Holy and true. Until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. There were, people were killed in the setting of Revelation under the, the, the rule of Nero and Domitian. And, and they're martyrs for the faith. And they're in heaven now. And they're waiting for God to bring justice and vengeance. And you know what they say is how long? And I think there are people now in heaven who have been killed in the last few years in the Middle East at the hands of ISIS and others who have been true to their faith, and they've died because of that faith, and, and they're there, and, and they're, they're waiting for God to bring justice. And you know what they're saying? How long? I think even, even in the intermediate time of heaven, we don't understand all of God's hit, timing. We will eventually, but they cry, how long? You know what God says in response to this question? God says in verse 11, Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. What's the full number? I don't know, but God knows. And can you trust his timing even when you're waiting? We're waiting for the Lord to come back. And some of, sometimes now in this life, we're in that period of bewilderment. God, I don't understand what you're doing in my life and why you would do it this way. But for those who remain faithful, or as it says in Revelation, for those who overcome. For those who remain faithful, there will be a period when confusion will give way to insight, understanding, and worship. And God will keep his promises in a new and different way. And will say, oh, I see that God is faithful and his love is faithful and his covenant endures forever. And we will worship him. The question now in the middle section is, 
Will I be faithful? Can I trust God and his timing even when I don't understand his ways? Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, I want to pray today for some people who might be here who are wondering if you